Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. The first reading is from Isaiah. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life has made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will live, he will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear for all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he has exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Here ends the first reading. The second reading is a reading from Hebrews. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He represents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he's able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to those same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for his work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. In another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. And even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. 
and God designated him to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the gospel. Thank you. It's the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Then the ten other disciples heard what Jesus and what James and John had asked. They were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. So we're going to do something a little different with the sermon today. Um, So, forewarning, I'm going to ask you questions and I'm going to expect you to answer. (laughs) Not yet, I'm going to talk to you first. Um, So at the Edge House, I do, uh, for those who don't know, I do campus ministry at the Edge House uh, at UC. And on Sunday nights, we have dinner church, uh, which is, we call Nosh, and uh, it's very much a mix of worship and dinner. And for those of you who have been there, you will recognize this. Um, the flow of it is very much like a liturgical service. Uh, we have communion, and we have readings, and we have a sermon, and we do prayers and then songs and the whole bit, right? So if you, you came and go, oh yeah, that looks kind of familiar. Yeah, that's about right. Um, it would look a little different, though, because it's in a house, so I don't wear my robe. <laughs> Um, I don't speak on a microphone. <laughs> That'd be weird. Um, but, it's, you know, it's in, it's in the living room and then the dining room, right? So it's got kind of this more casual vibe going on. Um, we start out in the living room with uh, some silence and a prayer and a reading and a song. Uh, and then I speak just a little bit, which is not the sermon. I give a little bit of information um, to the gathered assembly about the reading, um, some of which is historical, some of which might be sort of theological stuff that's important for the passage, um, just kind of information to get people going. Uh, and then I offer a couple of questions for conversation. And then we go get our food in the kitchen, whoever has brought that uh, delicious foods, and we sit down in the dining rooms and we chat about whatever comes up. And that chat, that dinner table conversation, is our sermon. So it looks like whatever it looks like. <laughs> Uh, it's not really planned. Uh, sometimes it goes completely off the rails, and that's okay. That happens. <laughs> a lot of conversations do that. Um, but more often, these college students are really engaging deeply the lesson and the, the difficult questions that I like to offer them. Um, they have questions about the reading themselves. What is this about? Who is this Melchizedek dude? Right? I'll tell you in a minute. Um, <laughs> So, and then sometimes we can get off the rails on something good and important and deep that didn't really have anything to do with the lesson, but we need to deal with, you know? Um, so I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, 
And it's, and it's good because I've often said uh, it's, it's good to take people out to eat or to, to chat with people over food because then you have something to do with your hands while you're talking. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that for you this morning. You're going to have to pretend. Um, but, so I, w- I want to do something like that. I'm going to give you a little bit of information about the Hebrews reading. I'm going to ask you some questions, and we'll see where we go. Great. So introverts, don't panic. The extroverts will have you covered, I'm sure. <laughs> You're still welcome to talk, just don't panic. So, first of all, I want to say... Um, Every commentary I read about Hebrews said uh, you shouldn't preach on just part of it because it is so well-written and so connected, all the parts of it, that you need to preach about the whole thing and not a small piece of it. So we're going to talk about a small piece of it. <laughs> it's what it is. Uh, we didn't have time to read the whole, whole book. So, uh, Specifically, Clement of Alexandria back in the day said, the Bible does not yield its hard-won truths to every casual passerby. Meaning, you got to think about it a little bit. Let it sit. Be frustrated with it for a little bit. You'll have a little bit of time. So, uh, a handful of things I want to tell you. Uh, One, probably written 60 to 90 CE, which is what we use now instead of um, AD, common era. 60 to 90, meaning like the generation of people right after the apostles. Okay? That era. Uh, Also, probably uh, a group of Christians, uh, but who had a very strong connection to their Judaic history, either culturally or worship or whatever, very connected to that past. They would have known who Melchizedek was. We don't. And a big, I don't know if I want to say theme, but sort of experience of reading the book of Hebrews is that the writer is really into Jesus being both and. Um, whatever the things are. In this particular reading, it's king and high priest, um, but you get a lot of uh, sort of the, the God and human, um, really anything that you can think of that we kind of hold in tension. The writer of Hebrews is like, yes, all of those things. <laughs> Deal with it, basically. Um, now, I don't know how many people uh, in this room were sort of falling asleep during that passage. Uh, it's a little, it seems a little dry, maybe. Uh, a little academic, even. Again, this writer is really good at kind of making these complex arguments, okay? So we're just going to pull out a couple of things, which I'm not supposed to do, but apparently this is all I can do. Uh, First, very much about being called. This writer is uh, saying, uh, not, not that it's impossible that Jesus was part of God from the beginning or whatever, but this guy is saying, God chose this guy. God called Jesus and Jesus was obedient. It's not a word we like a lot, obedience, submission. <laughs> it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, but that's, that's what's going on here. Jesus is called, and by extension, we are also called to something, probably multiple things. Um, but there's this sense of there's, there's purpose, right? Um, second, I know you really all want to know Melchizedek. Let me tell you about him. Okay. Anybody know Pat? Yeah, do you remember? No? No, okay. That's, that's my only hope. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think this is fascinating. So Melchizedek shows up, uh, I think, twice. Once in the Psalms, once in the story of Abraham. Before he's Abraham, when he's Abram still, so it's fairly early in his story, um, there's a big war. 
we don't read this part, so nobody knows this is a thing. <laughs> there's a big war among all these kings, and of course, it's a war, so there's a lot of devastation, there's a lot of death, a lot of destruction. Um, the, the war eventually ends, um, and in the midst of all this destruction, this king, Melchizedek, shows up. He is said to be the king of Salem, which is peace, and he is also said to be the king of El Eliona, the king of righteousness. So we've already got this guy who's the king of peace and righteousness. And he shows up, and uh, in the midst of the, sort of the aftermath of this battle, he brings them dinner. He brings them bread and wine, specifically. Any references that makes to you? Right. It wouldn't have meant that then, because we didn't have Jesus yet, right? Um, it was just food. It was sustenance. Um, but that's, that's the point, right? We take ordinary things. It's just bread and wine, and it becomes something more powerful. It becomes a gift. It becomes food for the journey, right? So this dude, king of peace, king of righteousness, brings bread and wine in the midst of devastation. That's who Jesus is, right? So again, you can see this connection back to the Jewish past. Last thing is, I don't understand uh, people who say that Jesus didn't have feelings. I, maybe none of you have ever heard that. I, for some reason, I hear that periodically, like he didn't ever cry. It's like, in, in scripture. He cried. Um, specifically here it says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard. He was heard. This is across scripture that the cry of the victim doesn't go unanswered. When the victim cries out, God hears, God does. That's huge. That is huge. This is not a God who is separate. So again, with that uh, both and bit I was saying before about Jesus, um, we certainly have this idea of, of God and even sort of the resurrected Jesus being far away and separate and transcendent, and that's true like in the sense of being so big and transcendent, but also as close as our tears, right? This is, this is what Hebrews is saying. So, here are your questions. One, how are you being called? Maybe right now, how are you feeling that sense of call? Maybe in the past, I already felt called to fill in the blank. Or at one point, I felt called towards. What is that call? Or maybe what does it feel like to be called? Right? So question of call. Uh, second question is, how are you fed? There's an obvious one, so spoilers if somebody wants to say that. Um, how are you being fed? across the board, okay? We can go like umbrella, super huge level, we can go real granular, super specific. So, how are you being called? How are you being fed? Go. Also, I don't mind silence, so I'll stand here while you think. It's cool. Also, I'll turn back here. Oh, it's just Pat back there. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. That's awesome. She says uh, she's feeling called to raise her children well, specifically with Girl Scouts, food bank, uh, bringing them to church. Mm -hmm. Parenting is a huge call. That is not nothing. To teach? Mm -hmm. To be a Stephen minister, yes. I would absolutely say the Stephen ministers are called to that space for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being, uh, he's fed by the sermon, um, sort of food for thought, something that he can take with him and mull over, kind of fills. Mm-hmm. 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 That's great. Fed by a, a Bible study, uh, the Bible Babes group. Still taking members if anybody wants to join them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Music, for sure. Anyone else? Music fill you up? Is the band raising their hands? Good. I want to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, same. I, that's, music is a huge thing for me to be filled up. Um, singing in parts, oh, oh, I just feel like I'm overflowing when I hear other people singing in those parts. Yeah, what else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. called to be an active member of the church and to take responsibility and help people, certainly. Uh-huh. Is there a specific way you do that, Roy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Habitat, Monday morning work crew, I would say both of those are serious calls. Yeah. We've got some, like a lot of this is sort of vocational related, if that makes sense. Um, Does anybody ever feel called to something fairly small like apologizing? It's a call. I can't tell you the number of times I've had a conversation with somebody and then realized, even moments afterwards, oh man, I could have said that better. I could could have said that in a way that was less whatever, (laughs) accusatory. doesn't matter what the thing is. And then to go back, I like feel that kind of Oh, you got to go talk to them. And go and say, like, remember when we talked the other day? Oh, I'm so sorry. I feel, feel weird about that. Right? You can feel called to things like that. That seems little. But it's huge. What else do you feel called to? Balcony? I think I don't see you. <laughs> Mm, to give thanks. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving coming up for certain, yes. Yeah, that's interesting because sometimes it's easy to give thanks. And sort of the call is an easy one to follow, right? Sometimes obedience to Thanksgiving is real hard. Find yourself in a space where giving thanks is not the first, second, third, or fourth thing on your list. Yeah. See, sometimes these calls can be hard. 
feel called to pray for people? Hmm? Does anybody feel called to something difficult? Maybe? Say it, patience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love my children. <laughs> Hopefully they feel called to be patient with me too. One of the things we talk about in discipleship ministry is um, pour, uh, sort of uh, balance between pouring out and filling up. So a lot of the times, this is not necessarily true, right, but a lot of times when we're feeling called to something, when um, we're doing our vocation or whatever the thing is, um, we may really enjoy it, but we also are we're pouring out a lot of our energy into it. We're pouring out our, our emotions. We're pouring out our time, our, our physical life, right? And to keep doing that, we have to fill back up. This is what feeding is about. What are the ways that you are filled back up again when you're empty? Last night, I was walking back uh, across campus uh, from a prayer service, and um, it was right in the middle of all that wind. (laughs) Didn't know that was coming. Uh, So I was not dressed for it. But uh, this was very cold and dark, and that wind was so so intense and irregular, right? I couldn't prepare for when the gust was going to come. Um, and there were a lot of trees on campus. And hearing that wind, this was the rush of the violent wind in that story in Acts from Pentecost, coming through the trees just kind of was loud. I have never heard leaves rustle like that before. And it was a little scary. <laughs> it was also really beautiful. It was a very sort of strangely, awkwardly filling moment of just being in the midst of this and going, yeah, I don't know what you're saying, but you're speaking, right? It's weird ways that we can be refilled sometimes. Thank you for speaking responding to my questions. Thank you for considering them, even if you didn't feel called to speak. Huh? Get it? Feel called? Huh? <laughs> I, um, I love this passage, if only, if only that I learned about Melchizedek. Um, but one of the things I love about it is that um, it shows to me, perhaps to you, that God is constantly speaking to us, constantly holding us up, supporting us, offering us, feeding us. In the Lutheran world, a lot of this has to do with justification. God moves first. We are saved by grace first. We are given all this love and support first. And then we respond. And we can respond in all kinds of ways. It's so exciting. So, I guess thank God for Melchizedek and Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.